Hey guys, welcome to Please Don't Send Me in Outer Space. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> that was great, dude. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Everyone was embarrassed in the room. Uh, I was elated. Uh, you, uh, you, were, you were floating on cloud nine. I was, dude. Uh, that's, that's good. Hello and welcome to Please Don't Send Me in Outer Space, the podcast intent on exploring all that science fiction and fantasy has to offer one movie at a time. My name is Joel. My name is Sarah. My name is Aaron. This week is Hellboy, 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 everybody loves Hellboy, from 2004, directed by Guillermo del Toro, written by Guillermo del Toro and Peter Biggs, and based on the excellent comic book series by Mike Magnola. Now, uh, oh, I guess I should say who's starring out. Starring Ron Perlman, Doug Jones, Selma Blair, John Hurt, Rupert Evans, Jeffrey Tambor. And Karel Roden as Rasputin. Okay, so before we get into this movie, by the way, this was a random pick. We were kind of limited on options because we did a Netflix random pick. And uh, personally, personally, I like Hellboy. I like this movie. I think it's enjoyable. But we're going to have a special time here tonight, folks. We're going to have a very special. One-time limited engagement. I don't know if this is ever going to happen again, because I don't know if anyone has this... Uh, this one particular person has as much ire about one film um, as this person has. This person who is normally, I'd say, the teddy bear of the podcast. He is a live and let live, free hugs for everybody. If you donate to the Patreon, he gives you a kiss. I'm talking about Aaron. <laughs> That's probably why no one's contributing. <laughs> How about if you don't donate to the Patreon, Aaron will find you. Oh no! And he will kiss you. Oh no! He's like he's like the Taken. Of oh jeez! I bet we get money. Patreon.com/slash/eartrumpet. Um. So what what I want to prepare you, listener, for is that. I find this a unique opportunity to allow somebody to unleash their true nerdy form, their ultimate Super Saiyan nerdiness. Oh, God. So I'm I'm going to request that Aaron do not hold back. All right, all right. So in preparation, listener, if you really like this movie, just just keep in mind that we've got a super nerd on our hands. We've all been in the situation where we nerded out on something. Right, but this is something near and dear to Aaron's heart, and yeah, this is his this is his moment. Oh man, <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting a little sweaty over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
the pressure's on, listeners. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, it's, it's not on. The pressure is going to be released. All right, all right. True all talk, true talk. Hellboy is one of my favorite comic book characters of all time. You know, as Joel and Sarah are telling you right now. Um, it's a comic book that uh, was in- introduced to me in 2002. Uh, very young, impressionable Aaron, uh, just going through high school, gets handed this graphic novel. And, uh, and with the, with the preference, uh, you know, he's like, he's like Indiana Jones, but he's a demon and he he beats up Nazis. And I was like, sounds cool. This is right before first period. My first period, uh, in, in, in my senior year of high school was English class, which we were allowed to read books whenever we wanted to. So sat down at the table, busted open that book. I don't remember the rest of class. Like at the point where we were supposed to stop reading, I think I just kind of hunched down and just kept reading. And then the next period, I just kept reading, and then I think I finished it in some other class, but I still kept reading that book over and over again, and I just realized that this was, like, one of the best pieces of art, like, I've ever seen. Like, each panel is just so intricate, detailed, beautiful, and I know this is a podcast about movies, but the the Seed of Destruction, which is supposed to be the first storyline mm. that, uh, that uh, is supposed to take the all the, the the flavor and story and origin of Hellboy and uh and whatnot and it which is supposed to be used in this movie by uh Del Toro and uh his 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 cronies at uh, Revolution or whatever <laughs> whatever their whatever their names are. Uh, his cronies. You know, yeah. The people that probably, you know, sweat blood and tears to make sure that they were getting a great product out to be, you know, brutally ripped apart by one is me. Uh, I don't know where I was going with all that. It was a, no, kind of a word you, jumble. This sounds like you're trying to already use you know, apply your your liberal amounts of sympathy that you apply to any situation. Where I'm like, <laughs> no, they have good intentions. <laughs> so, so what was the story? Well, okay, uh, it's, it's. I mean, not yeah. in the movie, but yeah, yeah. in the comic, uh, the, the the tale the tale begins. Uh, uh, I would say with a, uh, young Trevor Broom, Bruton Holm, um, who, uh, is desperately trying to stop, uh, the Nazis who have just recently begun a, a secret project that's, that was called Project Ragnarok. Um, so far it's completely accurate that they received word about. And so, uh, through the means of psychic mediums. They, they, they felt a premonition that something was going to happen on this island in, uh, England. So, uh, we kind of cut a little bit here to, uh, to, um, to what appears to be, uh, Rasputin. Um, how the story, how the story is told in the graphic novel is it's like, it's like Bruton Home is like reading a series of files. And, uh, at that point, like, it, it, he's, he's like kind of explaining, what Rasputin is and how he, how he kind of got the way he was. And then it kind of cuts to Rasputin, like in like, all this like weird techno gear summoning, summoning, uh, 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 you know, what is supposed to be project Ragnarok or the, the beast of the, the beast of, you know, of destruction. And, uh, nothing happens after he summons him and all the Nazis are kind of like, well, what the heck? And he's like, well, time will tell that <laughs> something will happen. But then, uh, how the graphic novel goes is that uh, uh, it says here. I was just checking my notes real quick because 
It was, uh, yeah, miles away on the island of East Bromwich, where Hellboy first appeared at a church. Mm. Uh, and that does tie into the comic later on why he appears at that church. But Okay, so let, yeah. let, let's just stop right here. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, it's obvious that you've got your information wrong because Rasputin has – first, he's got this blonde, blonde knockout babe that he gives him immortality to. We see that part. There's also a real cool dude with like knives, like like Wolverine <laughs> style blade thing. Yes. And he's got yes. like goggles and he's yes. like – he's doing this <laughs> – that's totally impractical but people sure. always do it in movies. Well, it, and it then, makes a cool whoosh noise yeah, pa- past your ear through the through the surround sound. Yes, that's probably true. Yeah, sick. Um, sick so dude. no, uh, Rasputin and then, had a cape. Yes, too. you didn't mention the cape. <laughs> he kind of has like this like tabardy kind of thing on in the comic, and it, which like encapsulates some type of like evil looking upside down star mm-hmm. on his chest. I think there might be like a Nazi insignia built in there somewhere too. Of course. Because yeah. Mike liked to draw a lot of his evil Nazis. They had swastikas all over them. <laughs> Just to show, you know, oh. that guy's evil. Yeah. Like, you know, that yeah. was a... <laughs> <laughs> As like uh, Quentin Tarantino and uh, Unglorious Bastards, we don't want anyone to forget that you were a Nazi. And That's right. right in the forehead. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So okay. So I'm glad we got that fixed up. Sure. Uh, also, sure. he definitely opens a portal because we see that happen. Yeah. The portal opens, and uh, luckily this this real gruff army general like throws a grenade and stuff. It's real good. But America wasn't saves there, the like, day. space and, like, an a <laughs> alien creature? Yeah, yeah, there's this, like, yag Saron or... See, later or, on, later on, yeah, that, that would be the Orgdu Jihad, Joel. Oh, okay. The Orgdu Jihad is the uh, seven-headed beast of the apocalypse. Okay. That um, our young, young, just newly, freshly summoned uh, Hellboy is supposed to be destined to... Uh, call to destroy oh, yeah, our, we our saw, planet. We saw that part at the end when he sticks his hand into a big old rock. Oh man, yeah, that totally happens. Right? No, no, mm-hmm. there's no big rock. Okay, there's no big. No, there's no. It, look, okay. look. Wait, wait, yes, wait. yes. His his hand is the key okay. to opening. Literally, to, n- no, no. Del, del Toro. <laughs> no, no. His hand is literally the key. Del Toro. You don't need a gi- there's no giant block of marble for him to stick his hand into, Joel. <laughs> I don't understand. What is the purpose of a big stone hand if it isn't literally a key? Shaking my head at you, Joel. <laughs> Some sort of monkey appears out of nowhere on that That's same right. island. Though. That's right. Oh, it was not a different island. It was the same island. We saw that much. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, see, I'm doing. I'm doing already. I'm, just I'm doing already, Joel. Not. I'm like. I'm like. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Really. I mean, you're right, but you're also <laughs> wrong. Is he like baby Ruth? No. That was just what? a thing no. in the movie? They did that. That was just for the movie. Aaron? What? He doesn't like Baby Ruth? No. No. However, there's a really awesome story where he falls in love with pancakes as a kid. Pancakes. Right? When he was, see, he grew up on Area 51. Right. Oh, of course. Oh, uh, in, I didn't in the comics. Is that uh, so a short story, Pancakes? He had a dog. He had a dog. He loved cowboys. Mm. Uh, and, cool. uh,. Well, that's not what happened. I mean, they kept him in a safe underground so nobody would find out about this this red boy. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Let's make this movie as men in black as possible. Oh, and yep. I see. Speaking of red boys, there's a boy trying to get some sweet pizza over in the counter. Thomas. That's our cat, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, okay. So, 
at this point, your neck was already sore from shaking your head back and forth. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, I can't, ex- I can't explain the. It's how. really hard to explain. No, no, no. I don't. It's I, really hard to explain why it why it infuriates you. Yeah, because no, well, I mean, it's not. I don't think it's hard to explain. I guess so. I get the same thing. Like I said, like I get fired up about those X Men movies. I, I've learned to let it go in the sense that. I don't really care to watch them yeah, anymore. Yeah. I feel I feel that, that there was a much younger version of me that'd be really mad right now and probably shouting to the mic a lot. But I feel I feel I feel where I'm at now in my life, I'm okay mm-hmm. with the differences. Right. I'm okay with the differences because because I like Del Toro. Yes. I like his work, you know? And and I can see that that he that his 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 intentions were to make you know, to take such a, you know, a grandiose story and, you know, make it into a two hour thing. Right. You're not going to be able to get everything in there. Adaptation, no, right? That's true. Right? And it's not like he changed anything either. I mean, you know, Abe is a psychic, just like he is in the comic oh, book. Oh. And uh, Hell, oh. Hellboy and Liz, they're, oh, they're like getting together, you know? They're oh, like, yeah. Oh, no. They're in a relationship. Yeah, that's no. No. What? <laughs> that's super creepy, dude. Why? Because Hellboy watched her grow up, man. Like that's kind of, yeah. Okay, I think you're speaking from a from a point of privilege. You've not uh, been in the situation that Hellboy's. You're in. right. I guess I am not like a hundred. <laughs> Shut up. Be mad. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to ache you. Home. I know. He's trying to get a, under your. Skin. I want you to. Oh, I want. I want to see that shirt rip off and the Hulk to be underneath. That's what I want to see. Well, just like that great movie. There are some things in the in the first storyline. To their credit, there are some things in the first storyline that I'm glad didn't make it to the movie. Okay. For example, yes. here are some things that I think were kind of weaker elements. Mm. There was a superhero. There was another superhero oh, established early on. The, the, light, the Torch right? of Liberty. Yeah, yeah. This is what his name was. And he was essentially he's only in like one panel right. where like he like saves the medium because there's like an explosion next to the, ch- the church, which leads to Hellboy's um, arrival on our planet. So th- there's a moment where he saves the, the medium who, f- who, who feels that something's going to happen on the, on uh, that Bromwich Island. Mm. And uh, so he jumps in the way, saves her. I think he's got like a, like a, like a trench coat on or something. Mm. So like he drapes it on her. And, and so it, I guess it's supposed to show that like, this is kind of where Hellboy got, some of his like her- heroicism from maybe because yeah. like he's like he's like wearing a trench coat he has like a, he's like has like a utility belt he's like Starman right he's got like the goggles and everything yeah and he's got like he's got like a torch on his chest or yeah Star Lord no Star Starman is a DC character that like he he's an old school golden age DC character but there was also a version of him in the nineties that was. Um, it was like a, a grittier version of the DC hero or not wasn't gritty. It was just it was like the, the creator or at least the, the person that was writing it, like wrote a full like 80 page storyline that, that I think has been encapsulated in like uh, omnibuses. Like it was so complete. Uh, uh, Mr. Cool. Mr. Robinson. Yeah. Uh, J- James Robinson. He wrote that one. Jamie. It's, it's really good. It's good. Jamie, come on our podcast. James, you're cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Torch of Liberty was a character that I think, because Seed of Destruction was co-written by John Byrne. Oh, and I th- I believe the Torch of Liberty was a John Byrne character. Oh, so I that that's probably the, like the number one reason why it wasn't included in the movie. Uh, I see. I so it was see. Uh, uh, copyrighted by Byrne, but um, 
Yeah. Basically, the whole p- point behind that was is that there's a narrative bubble after uh, uh, Professor Broom dies, which is like page like five of the comic book, by the way. Oh, wow. <laughs> he dies really early on in the Hellboy I mean, storyline. Like, but everything's all flashbacks for the most part. It's like that. page five of the movie, you know, one hour in. Oh, yeah. And he gets killed by the sword guy, right? Just like in the comics. There's no sword guy, Joel. But there's a sword guy. No, no. Sarah, what'd you think of the sword guy? Mm. He was making those sounds like you were saying, kind of like Wolverine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, 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 now picture this. Picture this. Okay. Sword guy. uh, Close your eyes. Okay. Okay. Sword guy. All right. Picture him. He's got like this, like kind of like leathery kind of dominatrix look going on. Okay. It's got like a helmet thing. A bunch of like uh, super sick like uh, steampunk gears in his chest. Okay, right, right, right. Yes, he's walking around his Nazi Nazi regalia, mm-hmm. you know, just doing his thing. Now, okay, let's let's take that away real quick. He's not naked, okay, guys. He's wearing a trench coat. No, no, no. Sorry, a lab coat. He's wearing oh. a lab coat now. Oh, so he's, he's a, a little timid. No, no, he's more timid. And in fact, I don't think he even has steampunk gears. He's just kind of wearing a gas mask. That's how he's in the comic. So he's naked, except he wears a lab coat. Well, you don't see underneath the lab coat, so he might be naked. Oh, okay. Well, I like you can imagine that, okay, guys. But Cronin, Cronin was actually a scientist. One of the scientists, because what happened was, is when um, when uh, Rasputin joined the Nazis, he um, in this Project Ragnarok uh, thing, uh, he 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 found a few like-minded scientists and 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 basically. Created his own kind of uh, inner inner circle inner circle group amongst those uh, the Nazi scientists. That's like Hydra. So he wasn't like Wolverine, sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This guy. <laughs> Shall I call you Logan Weapon X? <laughs> Actually, I thought, I thought it was kind of weird that they focused on him over the other scientists because, like. I mean, he did have a really kind of a cool look. Honestly, I think what it came down to was there was three or four of these other Nazi scientists that mm. teamed up with with um, Rasputin. Rasputin. One, uh, one of them being um, the fellow who becomes a head in a jar later on. Uh, but uh, I digress. Uh, he was he's he's my favorite. He's I thought my- you said that this guy became the head in the jar. Mm-mm. Oh, it was a different no, guy. It was it was the it was the guy who was yelling at. Um, Yelling at Rasputin, like saying, like he kind of had like the circular sunglasses. Mm. R- real quick in the movie, oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. the guy was pointing. Mm. He's the he's the gentleman who, oh, okay, later becomes head and jar. So Del Toro took certain images, a certain storyline. Like what I want to know is how responsible Del Toro is for most of the of the decisions because like when we were talking about it when we watched it mm-hmm. it did really feel like studio being like no x-men it has to be more x-men well th- this movie came out what 2004 yes that's like four years after x-men right and it's two years I, or maybe or the same a couple year of- oh, okay. as x2 oh, i can't okay. remember okay yeah i feel like this was like someone getting their foot in the door and making it possible to make more of the superhero movies that we make now. And I don't, I do think Guillermo del Toro does have a really good 
um, vision for things, but yeah. I, I feel like he definitely made it his own thing. Like he, he may have liked pictures and ideas of some of it, but he made it into his own Guillermo del Toro thing. Precisely. Like I was thinking when we were watching it, that there were things even that like reminded me of Pacific Rim and like, you know, well, definitely Pan's Labyrinth, but I feel like Pan's Labyrinth is like, a full vision of his not taking from not taking from something like a comic book and that right. that feels better i like that movie better it's way more personal like yeah yeah i feel like hellboy is a bad pan's labyrinth <laughs> yeah i could see that that's yeah. like more made for the mainstream okay okay but i also feel like he did try to create some of the characters, and he is good at building monsters yeah, and things. So absolutely. I, I definitely think he's an artistic. He has a very unique vision, and I like that he built those things. Mm. But at the same time, like I felt like it was all kind of enclosed quarters. Yes, like it felt like everything was happening in rooms where yeah. things were closed off. Didn't and, feel like a world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. In in um in the comic, um, there are usually a lot of like I, I want to say like a, a lot of the early Hellboy stories take place in a lot of secluded, uh, less downtrodden areas or, or very or maybe labyrinth esque oh, kind like kind of landscapes, mystery seekers, yeah. and solvers. Yeah, right? like you yeah. said, Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, he's very you know, and and at least early on in the storyline, mm -hmm. um. That 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 was that was what encapsulated a lot of the art, um, a lot uh, because Mignola Mignola is really well known for using a lot of uh, black, a lot of ink. He likes to you know contrast things, um, use a lot of uh, light and shadow shading. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's like he has a very unique uh, look to his his yeah. illustrations. Like um, the only one that I I think is. Is very similar is uh, Eric Powell's goon and oh, like yeah, his his character Eric Powell's characters have more definition like they they are oh yeah cartoony even though that's a super you know super violent series of books <laughs> but uh, yeah like uh, Magnolia's got the, the kind of squarish you know like the the jaws are more square yeah. as opposed to like Popeye round you know yeah almost. yeah yeah. But um, that that grittiness, I feel, is is similar at least between those two. But yeah, Mag cool. Magnolia, like when you think about it, if you're gonna pick somebody to do it, like a comic book adaptation, I feel like you pick Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro, or you got to go back in time to 1989 Tim Burton or something <laughs> like that. I agree with you about the Tim Burton. I think I think he could have pulled off a lot of that that value differences and, yeah. and things that Mike Mignola does in his his art. And that's actually one of my major criticisms of this movie is is that I don't feel like the page is popping mm -mm. on the screen. Yeah, I'm, I'm you're getting these really cool creatures, which is you know mm -hmm. like we've established like you know like his like his uh you know his cockroach monsters in. And that one cockroach movie were pretty cool. Mimic, mimic, yeah. I like, just watched that. It's yeah. a good movie. Yeah, it's good. I love it. Yeah, I mm. know. Like that's that's my problem. with This movie is I I'm so conflicted because it's like I do like Del Toro. I just don't know if like there's okay specifically there's a scene um, where 
where uh, our adventurers Hellboy and a few other BPRD agents like they bust through a door. A door. Uh, Hellboy has like a like a bunch of grenades on over his shoulder mm-hmm. uh, to like go. I don't know exactly what the point that point in the story where he was going to use the the Vulcan grenades for, <laughs> but like yeah, he busts open this door and you see like this layer of like all these like eggs and like all all the uh, the the contortionist weird creature thing that uh with, with the rastafarian tentacle mm. uh, <laughs> other worldly creatures going, oh. always have dreadlocks yeah <laughs> i kind of wish that those those didn't look the way they did even though it was, it's probably far better than a creature creation i could make for a <laughs> movie like this but i think that 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 kind of shape is kind of overdone is and it, it was cool to see something like Hellboy, like the character mm-hmm. Hellboy look the way he looked. Um, but I think it would have been cool to see some other different looking creatures, too. Yeah, I, I wish. Yeah, I yeah. wish there had been other things. I don't, oh man, like I'm thinking about the reason why I like Hellboy, I, I actually like Hellboy 2, the Golden Army more. And I think that's because it's. It's almost as if Mike Mignola's washed his hands of the situation and, and Del Toro is like, okay, I'm going to make my movie. And then we see way more Del Toro type things. Yeah. Like that, that freaky guy at the end with the, the white face and stuff like that. Uh, it's much more tragic than that. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that was planned out between both of them. And then uh, there was an agreement between both of them as well about how the story was going to go. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as all the art was done – and Magnolia was out of the way. They just kind of went their own direction with that it sucks. for a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. I remember you yeah. telling me that it was like kind of a betrayal and that he was yeah. pretty yeah. upset about it. And I can see feeling that way. I mean, when you've created something, it's like your whole, you've created a whole world mm-hmm. and you've created these characters and they're all your baby or whatever. And then you're like, okay, I, I trust you and I'm going to give you these specs or whatever. This is what I think it should be. And then they just do something else. Like I can see how that would just be like really hard to get over. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure there was a lot of money, but at the same time, it's not about that. When yeah. you're an artist, it's kind of about what it is you're putting out there and, and what you represent, what, re- what you're letting represent you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I think the scene that I was trying to describe earlier, well, I was, went off in some crazy rant there, was that basically, yeah, like they bust like down this door and then you, you see these, all these like, the, these creatures, you see like a pile of eggs and then behind them you see like some, some like statue structures of like, like half, half kind of submerged statues and things yeah. like that. Uh, in my opinion, that's probably the closest they got to the comic was that scene. Mm-hmm. But the problem was it was all, it was all really well lit, which, which, which I mean, I understand. Yeah. It's a movie. Yeah. I get it. I get it. You gotta see. But, yeah, but still, <laughs> yeah. if that's the aesthetic that was most like it, they could have done different yeah. things to make it. I don't know. I guess I think. Honestly, I could probably let go a lot of my problems with a lot of the things. I just wish that I just wish it had been a little bit dark. Like there are these. There's some really cool scenes where they're setting it up, where where Hellboy's kind of in the darkness, and you can see the the silhouette of his guns. Like, you know, and, and, yeah. and things like that. And I felt that was pretty close to the book, too. But. I, well, okay. Okay. So 
we're we're getting into the movie real deep here, but what I yeah. need what I need is that raw anger. I need that <laughs> I need you to tell All right. me. You wanna know the truth? Uh, let's let's know the truth? hold on. No, no, no. I don't want you to, to just go You can't that. handle the truth. You can't handle this truth. <laughs> let's talk about Sorry, I just wanted to do that. No, yeah. Let's go character by character. All right. We'll start All right. with Big E boy here. We'll All start right. with the red the red monkey man. We'll start sure. with the guy with the iron fist. I'm talking about Rasput. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, talking about Hellboy. Now in the movie, mm-hmm. as we said Hellboy is hidden. They keep him literally in a safe in a room underground. <sighs> and, uh, you know, there's like uh, fake, you know, there's like TMZ style type things like, <gasps> was it the Hellboy, you know, and, and stuff like that. So this is not true. Oh, yeah. No, he is a citizen of the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, he helped fight the Nazis. Like he, he had a he had a very short childhood for being some sort of other dimensional creature like he grew up really fast uh but they hit they, he did spend some time on area 51 while they were trying to decide what, what to, to do, do with what him. to do with him but right. once once he grew up and uh uh and 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 thankfully uh professor broom was was able to stay there with him and kind of guide him uh once he grew up he became a, a, an american citizen he helped fight the war. He helped fight World War Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he became somewhat of a little bit of a celebrity too. Um, I think once they realized they couldn't hide him anymore, they might as well just like you know, like use let him. him be. Yeah, yeah. And so then, then you know, he became uh, and and basically, uh, essentially, after Hellboy, Hellboy was 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 a. Uh, came to our our earth he mm. uh shortly after that um the government basically just started giving B- professor Brutenholm money which he created the bureau for paranormal research and defense oh, the bprd and um it was a very very uh not very well established organization at first uh but but it, it kind of it thrived on uh as as uh as more document documented cases of all these paranormal uh experiences occurred and uh they 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 have an office you could like go in there and talk to them about your problems like uh <laughs> there's files yeah 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 and uh i just thought i just thought how neat how neat is that you know i thought that was pretty cool it sounds like this would have been served better as by like a television show almost like a bprd like that would be cool. So, like, they don't even have to have Hell- Hellboy. They could just yeah. have like the Liz character. There's so many really cool BPRD agents. Like yeah. There's some. There's a lot of them that are really cool. They could have Family Guy stuck in a a ghost who's in a astronaut suit. That's in the second book. Um, <laughs> that's Johann Krauss. Yes. And, and there's the Fish Man. That's right, Abraham Abraham Sapien. Okay, and he is not a psychic. No, he doesn't spend all Contrary his time to. inside a water tank. On occasion, he does sleep. He does have like a like a like a a tank or something that he can sleep in. But it's not like he doesn't the size have to be of a living. Where, yeah, he doesn't have to and live in there. He doesn't have to have those yeah. things on the side of his head to yeah. breathe. Yeah. Okay. In fact, in fact, it's more often than not that he's he's documented sitting in like a a room full of books because uh-huh. he does love to read. Right. He loves to read. Um. Oh, they got that right. Yeah, they got that right. They got that right. But I mean, he's a tough. He could take a punch. Oh. He could take a punch. Like oh, no. uh it's definitely established that he's not he's not a wimp in the comics, and so it's kind of funny to see in, Doug Jones in the movie. <laughs> I know Doug Jones, I thought he did a great job. He does I mean if he there's looks the part. There you go. There you go. If anybody would be a fish man, I believe in Doug Jones. 
<laughs> I think that uh, Jeff Goldblum also could be a fishman. Oh yeah, I could see. Know. I could see that. Yeah, that's cool. So who is that? Abraham what Sapien. Actor, what actor is that? Doug oh. Jones is like a very tall, lanky fella. He he was the um. I recognized his voice. He was the guy. No, his voice is different. His, isn't his voice Kelsey Grammer? I believe. No, no. It is right. David Hyde Pierce. Oh, is it Hyde Pierce? Sorry. Oh, I recognize the voice. Yeah. yeah. David Hyde Pierce, of course. But he didn't. He did not want to be credited because he wanted Doug Jones to get the credit for all. Because Doug Jones was the character. Yeah. And then David Hyde Pierce did the voice. But And in the next movie, it's all Doug Jones. Oh, cool. But Doug Jones, uh, play, you know, he played the, the eyeless monster. He also played the fawn in uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. Yeah. He's a cool dude. Yeah, he's just got a really cool bone structure that people like to use for for uh, costuming and, and whatnot. He fits into things. Yeah. Yeah, no, he does a good job. Okay, what about Liz? Liz Sherman. I mean, what did they get? What they got proper was that she definitely spent some time in some psychiatric wards. And uh, she was an off and on member of the BPRD. Right. Mostly because, well, she just, I mean, she, she, she's a pyrokinesis. Yes, okay. that is accurate. She definitely can flame on, you know, and uh, she has problems controlling it. This is definitely, a, this is, this is from the get go. This is established that, you know, and a lot of it comes from the fact that she, unfortunately, when her powers did manifest, she killed her family. And so it's something that, you know, it's a, it's been a struggle for her, but she knows that she has this power and she wants to try to do something good with it, you know, or at least it's established pretty early on. Okay. Because, well, it's not revealed in the Seed of Destruction comic, but there's a, there's a moment where she's just like, where, where after the incident has occurred, where, where they have her in like this, like really empty facility and like some type of observation room all by herself. Cause everyone's too afraid to like, to like set foot in there and Hellboy goes in and, and is able to establish a friendship with her. Because um, he's at least fireproof. Because he's fireproof, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, the agent guy whose name I'm suddenly forgetting. Oh, he doesn't exist. What is his name in uh, the movie? Agent Mo- Smith? Mooney. Oh, Smith? S- Mooney? Smith? Is Are you talking Smith? about the director? Director... Uh, no, I'm not talking about. Um, I'm talking about. I'm talking about John Myers. Yeah, Agent Myers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, no equivalent. No, he does not exist in in the comics. Okay, so I was thinking about this today, but there's a lot of similarly like just kind just of dudes, red shirts, right? Dudes yeah, who die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. They who die. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about the X Men comparison. Sure. Uh, so obviously. Um, Hellboy's like a, a bruiser. He's also a fast talker. He's he's kind of Wolverine-ish. Yeah. Although we established two different Wolverine mm-hmm. characters with the the villain who's like has blades. Oh, and by the way, and is invincible. We are not saying that we think Hellboy is like Wolverine. That is not what we're saying. No, we're, we're no, no, no. We're comparing the making of the movie Hellboy to the idea of the making of the movie The X-Men. And if they were trying to get a gang of creatures together in this movie, outside of the comic book mm-hmm. idea, that was similar to The X-Men. Yeah. I just uh, wanted to preface yes. that. <laughs> we are hypothesizing. Like, this is all stuff we're coming up with yeah, on the fly. It's not, speculative. There, it's not actually a thing, and we're de- definitely not the comic books. It's not X-Men. 
But I, I really do think that's what they were thinking. Yeah. No, I, I, after you guys were mentioning that while I was watching it this time, I could definitely see kind of like the, the story beats as well. that were, that were, that were going on in there. And I just, I, Oh, go for it. Go oh for yeah. It. I was just like Jean gray and Selma Blair. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like the dark Phoenix. And it is, it's like, also a little bit of a uh, Abe there. Yeah. And then I was like, um, I mean, Professor Xavier is like a psychic power thing. Right. He doesn't really do anything. He's a real Professor Broom. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking that and kind of the fish man. Yeah. And yeah. They, I mean, they're mixing it up. They're, they're giving everybody a little taste here. Now, the whole reason I wanted to talk about this, although I, I, I want to talk about it in general, is that it occurred to me yesterday that uh, John Myers is like the everyday guy. Sure. But... There are two different scenes where we see him get hurt in a way that, like, he should have broken bones and or be dead. Oh, yeah. And he just kind of walks away. That hammer. There's a scene where he gets hit by a car in the arm and is like, you should have a broken freaking arm. Yeah. And he he just kind of walks away. And then there's the scene towards the end where that lady hits him directly on the head with a hammer like a really big hammer <laughs> and like it's, a mallet, it's not like right? a light tap it's like a boom <laughs> and he should be dead he should have been unconscious or definitely. at the very least yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah some sort of like a uh, concussion i don't like to think about the idea of getting hit in the head with a hammer <laughs> i don't like it i don't like it either yeah I'm like, yeah. Oh, we're not oh. watching american gods anymore is that like a spoiler no not really oh, okay i don't was, remember that I don't, oh okay yeah okay. Sorry. Hey. Sorry. It's been a while since I've read the book. Oh, no. I, I haven't been following about, the TV show. I was talking about episode two of American Gods. We're talking about Chernobyl. Yeah, the guy who punches the, the cows in the head. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What? what? Okay. The cow puncher, right? Yes. Oh, anyways. And obviously, uh, blonde-haired Nazi lady is uh, Silver Sable. No, I don't know. <laughs> That's not an X Men character. I've I've heard I've heard a comparison mm-hmm. to help the care. I mean, this is the comics, of course, but uh, the Invaders. Uh, Hellboy has an indestructible right hand of doom, which could be considered like Captain America's shield. Okay. Um, Liz Sherman bursts into flames like the Human Torch like or Toro. Human Torch robot. Yeah. And Abe Sapiens like Namor. Obviously. And they all okay. fight Nazi Nazi. It's good. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they that was actually part of the thing. Yeah, like a develop. Yeah, especially when since I'm- they make Hellboy all American. Yep. Yeah. Okay, let's go into the blonde-haired Nazi lady. Like she, she does exist. She does exist as a character. She's just kind of sidelined in the first graphic novel, like uh, Seed of Destruction. She doesn't have that much of a presence, I would say. Yeah. Um But it's definitely revealed in the second storyline. Uh, her story is more uh, 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 more told. But she wasn't really in love with Rasputin, though. Like, Rasputin wasn't, like, her dude. So that's why it kind of, like... <laughs> it's my dude. Yeah, it, it just doesn't work, you know? Uh, we were talking about... There's I, a lot I of was... weird relationship stuff in this. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, go for it. Go for it. I was just going to say that um, I was kind of wondering... You know, Rasputin, we talked about him a little bit when we did the Anastasia episode, but I was thinking, like, (laughs) that Rasputin was a real person. Yes. Who 
turned into, like, basically a myth. Legend. And then there's, like, I mean, Santa Claus, who was, like, a real person, but, like, turned into a myth. Right, based on a whole bunch of people. And then uh, Vlad the Impaler. I'm just trying to say, like, (laughs) it makes me wonder how many people, like, how many people have turned into, like, a legend. Yeah, that's cool. let me tell you the legend of Michael Jackson. No? I've heard that he turned into a car. Oh wow! Didn't he? I think. Uh, I don't. I just remember him breaking that car up. Oh okay. I've heard things like you know. I I think I read up on Snow White or something once, and it said you know certain that that Germany had like an evil queen that had. I can't remember which fairy tale I was looking into, but it was like hypothesizing an evil queen that they had like based the step the mom or whatever mm-hmm. on the oh. wicked queen and i was just thinking you know a lot of fairy tale characters could have been based on real people at some point and then just adapted into a myth over time yep but i kind of just thought like rasputin that's like that's somebody's name. <laughs> like, I, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else like that, that you just, like, say their name, and it's like, there's this whole thing that comes with it. Not unless they have, like, a, a terrible legacy, like Hitler. <laughs> right? I don't really think of any other. Yeah. Yeah, but Hitler is known... Maybe 50 years from now, Mm -hmm. Hitler will be a legend of evil that can be used in, like, a standalone way, like how Rasputin was used in this comic book series and turned into a villain or whatever. Like Sauron. I don't know. It's weird to imagine that to me because I feel like it's so recent in our history. Yeah. Yeah, early 1900s. I mean, you know, just over 100 years ago. For some reason, I thought of Benedict Arnold. He's like a notorious person. Yeah. But he's <laughs> not like a legend. Right, and I don't think he is, his name has any effect outside of this country. Right. You know, maybe Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rasputin's worldwide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought you said that blonde uh, Nazi became a vampire. Yeah, yeah. Well, she falls in love with the vampire. Oh, okay. Well, it happens. Yeah. But uh, there's definitely some, like, she she goes through some some pretty major changes. And I think maybe that's why they were focusing on her a lot in the the first movie is because she she definitely plays a a rather larger role in the second storyline. I see. Um, So I don't know if if it was going to be kind of one of those things where they were going to use her again. It might have just fallen on the floor of the... You know, the the cutting floor or something of right when they were making Hellboy two, but uh, yeah, no, she plays she be, she uh, she definitely becomes a pretty major major thing in the next storyline. Um, mm. yeah, no, you know, but Ron Perlman did a pretty good job as Hellboy. Just gonna put that out there. Uh, I think he uh, I think he uh, he did a real good job being being Hellboy. Yeah, I do too. I think his acting was good. I dig it. I think a lot of acting was good in it, but I think, uh, sorry to say this, but I do think think that the Myers character Mm -hmm. 
was kind of poorly written. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. You don't even, don't even apologize he for seems that. Superfluous. I mean, he's he's the you know he's the audience character. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I feel I felt kind of like he was two dimensional and only there to be kind of the the lead in of this situation for the viewer and also like. You know, another guy that was, like, into Selma Blair's character or whatever. Yeah. I really like Selma Blair, just, like, as an actress, but I was thinking she used to be in a lot more stuff than she's in lately. Yeah. And, um, she was, she had a really hot minute there. (laughs) She's like a fashion icon now, isn't she? Like a fashionista? Yeah, Yeah, she's a fashionista. Yeah. She's a style icon. Mm Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. I don't think she had much to do in this movie. You know, there wasn't very much meat on this role for her. I mean, you get one of those meat rolls, you expect some meat. I remember thinking when I watched the X-Men that it kind of sucked that that Jean Grey and that Rogue were both these kind of, like, helpless women that, like, needed help controlling their power and being able to do what they needed to do. Yeah. And... I mean, I guess Storm wasn't as much that way, but, like, in this movie, I remember seeing it when it first came out, and I have to say, at the time I saw it, I knew nothing about the comic book, and I was pretty in awe of just being able to see these kinds of things in film, because I hadn't really seen anything that looked like Hellboy in a movie before. Yeah. I mean, maybe... The only other thing you could compare it to, maybe, is, like, Tim Curry and Legend or something. Oh, yeah. Like, like something like that. Yeah. Like, but you'd... Ne- I mean, that... And that wasn't even for, like, a minute or something, you know? This was, like, a full character that was interacting with everyone. Yeah. But, yeah, I definitely... Um, I enjoyed seeing these kind of creatures in the movie when it first came out. I can't remember what I was thinking about well, saying. I remember, and I know that we've been comparing uh, Hellboy a lot to the X Men movies, and I understand why because like uh, mutants are these like scorned characters, right? Not really allowed. You're not really allowed to talk about yourself being a mutant in public in the Marvel universe, right, you know, for the most part. And and so it's very comparable to that with this movie because Hellboy is supposed is suddenly this this dude who who can't walk amongst people because he looks different. He, you know, and, and, and whatnot. So, like, he has to be driven around in special garbage trucks <laughs> and or in crates yeah. Yeah. throughout the movie, which which I think, you know, it's fun. It's fun. Like, he you see him in kittens. this. Yeah, and he loves kittens. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of Queen of the Damned. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever Walk read? among the women, feeding something. Yeah. Did you I've, ever, I've seen that movie. Did you read any of the, you know, Lestat or... Oh, Anne Rice? The vampire, yeah. Anne Rice? Uh, I, no. I didn't read Queen of the <laughs> no. Damned. But it's Joel good. It's read really it, good. and I told him what happened in the movie, and he was like, "Are you kidding?" I've me? seen Queen. Of, I've seen Queen of the Damned. <laughs> I've Dance. seen it yeah. too. Yeah, she like. Uh, 
<laughs> she like walks around a lot, like dances through people. And I mean, I could I could go off about Queen of and Queen of the Dam. I like okay, the book is only maybe in, in, we should do an episode of Queen of the Dam. I'm cool sure, with it. Sure, I'm cool okay. with it. I mean, if somebody wants to pick that, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna save my pick for something. Uh, that doesn't make me want to commit suicide. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I I remembered what I was going to say before. Oh, go for it. Go it was for it. when I first saw this movie. Um, I remember thinking, like, it sucks that Selma Blair is kind of a character that's just like fire and then just like helpless. Yeah, yeah. And like, honestly, I think Selma Blair does a great job in it. And I think even the character, the the written part of the character is okay, but it just kind of felt underwhelming for women, like yeah. to see a character that was super, but like still needed help or whatever. And that's why I'm excited to see Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's good. It's I haven't good. seen it yet, but I've heard that like she kicks butt. And oh, she's yeah. the leader, and she rescues people, and that mm-hmm. like people are like being moved by it because they haven't really seen a woman like that in a movie yet. <laughs> yeah, I saw a tweet that was like, "It's like, uh, oh, is this why men are always so so pushy and think they could do anything?" I just got out of Wonder Woman. And I feel like I could kick twenty thousand asses. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I want to know powerful, that feeling. I it's a powerful movie. I can't wait to see it. It's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we scrape up some dough. We can go see it this weekend. Um, but we're going to have to sell some organs. I, I can I can assure you, though, Sarah, that uh, that um, Liz definitely is a three-dimensional character in the comic. And she has a story arc that, she, yes, she does definitely come from a very yeah. shattered beginning, but she 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 definitely finds herself, and it is really awesome, and I'm really happy with, with her her uh, her development as a character, um, but definitely in the beginning, yes, this very first storyline, it's rough. Yeah. It's really rough for her in the comic, too, because, yeah. like, like, Rasputin, like, hypnotizes her, like, reads her mind, unlocks her powers more, and is, like, he, he, uh, spoilers, but in the comic, he's basically like, well, I really don't need Hellboy now that I've found, you know, <laughs> Liz. I could just, like, burn the world, <laughs> essentially, with her. And so it, cool. it's, 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 it's actually pretty awesome. Mm, pretty That's awesome cool. moment. But again, she's kind of being used as a tool. Yeah. You know. But I mean, even Hellboy gets used as a tool That's in right. this story, in the movie. Um, yeah. Literally. <laughs> yeah, that, that piece of stone really pisses me off, dude. <laughs> I, it's so unnecessary. There's so much cool art visuals. You don't need, you just don't need it. You just don't need it. Mm. You just don't need this. You just need to put his hand in anything. It's okay. You don't, you don't. Anyways. But he grew horns. Oh, that does happen in the comics. Though. I know. Yeah. I'm actually very happy that was included in the movie, but it didn't really happen until the second storyline. Oh. So, it's okay, though. Mm. We'll forgive him. It's it's really fun visual of him breaking his horns off and stabbing people with it. So. Yeah. 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 It's a fun visual. That's cool. So, something I am confused about is the main, like, okay, rest. Putin is supposed to be the main villain of the movie. He's the man yes. behind the curtain. But the like the the real main baddie in this movie is that that dreadlocked lizard man creature thing, right? And and, and he has nothing to do with Rasputin, right? Like Rasputin doesn't release him. 
I think he does. In oh. the museum or whatever. Yeah, he released right. him in I the th- museum. I thought yeah. that he just showed up like it was just an occurrence. It's not museum. very clear. It's not very clear. They don't make it very clear in the movie, but uh, uh, in the comics, there mm-hmm. were these frog monsters. These uh, the, the, the ba- Basically, what it comes down to is, is that the the Ordu Jihad, the seven-headed – I'll try to make this really quick. I'm sorry. No, but no, it's no. Okay. The seven-headed creature basically – it, it it bred and created these other things called the Ordu Hem, mm-hmm. which are its its children, which were are, are they're in all these isolated areas on Earth, hidden essentially, frozen, fro- either frozen or just or just dormant. And basically, uh, Rasputin found one of them, and and that's how he that's that's how he communed with this Ordu Hem, and that's how he was able to communicate with the Ordu Jihad, the the, the, the seven headed crystalline beast. You know, so far in some far off other dimension, and uh, and that's how we he found his purpose again after the Nazis were were overthrown, hmm. essentially. Uh, and sounds way more interesting. It's so cool. It is so cool. <laughs> it's such a cool story. Uh, if you want to borrow my copy of Seed of Destruction, I'll, I'll I'll bring it over. It's it's a really fun. I mean, bring them all. Yes, it's bring really it fun. over. Yeah. Come um, on. Yeah, not any, you, listener. You any, anyways, it. but yes, yes. Essentially, the Ordu Hem that he found c- could produce these these like these spores or something like that that he can infect men and turn them into these frog monsters. Mm. Now, the this creature of resurrection, this this thing had some attributes of those frog monsters, but it is ideally a thing of uh, it's it's a, it's a del toro thing like the weird contortion thing where it was like mm-hmm. sh- you know shifting its body around and, yeah and, and whatnot and <laughs> i was doing capoeira uh, like, it's just kind of more of like a like a it now now it's more of like a just kind of a froggy kind of guy with a giant tongue that could that could do nasty things to you and whatnot Oh, I could do nasty, things nasty things. Yep. It's kind of like a kaiju or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, it's definitely kind of one of those things where it's like I feel I feel that Del Toro did gain a lot of inspiration from Mike Mignola. Yeah. Uh, whether whether you know it's it's kind of one of those those things where it's like I don't know how how much he even realizes that that he gets he he gained uh, some inspiration from him. Yeah. So did he do any other major comic books I would know about? Any other Mignola? major? Um, the, the major big hit thing, at at least outside of comics that he, that he did was, is that he did the, um, the Disney movie, the Atlantis movie, I believe. Oh, okay. They, the, they basically contacted Mike and they're like, Hey, can you create this world for us? And so like, he did all the art design and everything behind that. The The, what? The, the lost city of Atlantis Disney movie. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. That's all, that's all designs for Mike Wignola. He invented the mole guy. Okay. Yes. Yes. That is one of his character designs. Mm-hmm. Did he do another another comic book series? He did um, or just stuff, smaller he? stuff? Uh other than Hellboy, he was known for doing a series of uh he but he 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 did a lot of freelance work for both DC and Marvel in the early eighties. Mm-hmm. Um he was like a very well known cover dude. Like they were he was just doing cover jobs, all kinds of cover jobs. Um, and then he did this mini series called Rocket Raccoon, oh, and that was yeah. his, that was his first interior page work. Awesome. As he did the Rocket Raccoon story, awesome. Uh, and it's 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 out there, man. Like awesome. I love it. I love it. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Um, and so after cool. that, he just got all kinds of cool jobs. He did he did some really cool. Um, 
a lot of people compare his stuff to being like a darker version of uh, Jack Kirby in a lot of ways. Like they have some similar traits. And so he did like a, a really cool kind of like new gods, new gods, uh, uh, DC story. That's really fun. <laughs> he's done, he's done, he's done all kinds of stuff, but basically what, what kind of led what after a while, like he kept getting all these Batman gigs. And, and so he started to, he started developing like this, like, kind of like a cultish uh uh uh, like batman fighting these supernatural uh kind of kind of creatures storylines there was this one called sanctum in particular that uh that basically you could take batman out of that story and you could drop hellboy into it and it's a a hellboy story it's and it's really good but that's kind of when when you read that you're like oh wow it's like it's this is like two steps from him from yeah from him doing a hellboy Hellboy. story yeah that's awesome yeah now no, oh, sorry. I didn't know if I should say this, mm-hmm. but you guys know way more about comic books than I do. I'm not really into single issue comics that much. I'm more into like autobiographical indie comics and stuff like that, which, you know, oh, which I, are awesome. I love them. I I'll love be them. the first to admit, I don't know much about like comic books, but, um, when you guys told me about cover art and how it's done by other artists and the artists inside of comic books, <laughs> it blew my mind. It blew my mind. And I was like, I don't honestly know if everybody else knows that. It doesn't <laughs> read comics all the time. Because, you know, you think it's the characters yeah. in the story yep. that are on the cover and Oftentimes it's a different artist that did the cover art. Yeah. And and oftentimes I really like the cover art. That's why I usually look inside before I buy one because yeah. I'm like, oh, I might not like hey, the art inside. Those covers can be misleading. Yeah. They can get like a kick-ass cover artist and you're like, wow, that's a book I want to read. Yeah. If you don't look inside, you bring it home and you're like, oh, yeah. it's a piece. <laughs> oh, no. I did not. I didn't. Oh no! Oftentimes they'll even put like things that are not in the book too. Like oh, they'll, they'll like put a character that's like oh, it's so misleading in like the team. But like you read the book, it's like oh no, he's not even in this book. Like they just tossed it on the cover because it was like they bought the cover. You know, yeah, it may not even be like this storyline's going on. It may just be a cool cover. You're like oh man, Martian Manhunter is going to be in this issue. <laughs> I wish. And then you read it and it's like oh man. <laughs> It's all about Superman Let again. Down. Yeah. Let Let down. down. <laughs> and, his, and his Hydrox, or is it Oreos? He's an Oreos. Oh, okay. They might have called it something else. I hate Hydrox. <laughs> okay, so how are you feeling about this reboot that's coming? I'm so happy. I am so happy. And and, and this has less to do with the fact that that del toro kind of went off the rails and did his own thing mm-hmm. and just more of the fact that i'm happy that it's not dormant anymore like that's that's my number one concern is i feel i feel there's so many excellent stories that could be told in the hellboy universe like i love the fact that mike uses a lot of folklore mm-hmm. he uses a lot of he, he like if you know he'll he'll study things and he'll try to apply the things that he learns to in you know into his stories and it's really fun hmm. and I, i'm really excited to see you know what happens next the the dude they chose uh to play hellboy uh the sheriff from stranger things is a cool dude awesome i like him a lot and i think he's gonna do great and i'm really glad that him Pat Oswalt and Ron Perlman all sat down two days ago and had a bottle of wine together. Nice. They, and they had a good time. Other stuff, but they well, didn't get that on camera. That, that wasn't on social media. Oh, that's that's yeah. only in our minds, Joel. 
Well, I think, I mean, <laughs> I don't know exactly what the Hellboy, Hellboy character is like in the comics, but I, I feel like with the success of Deadpool that people were kind of like, oh, <laughs> do a different kind of, like, totally. super creature story. Yeah, same thing with Logan. Like, oh, yeah. I guess we could do a rated R. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's good that they're realizing there's a spectrum. You can't, you, it doesn't have to just be a big blockbuster family movie, like, every single time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Japan's been making <laughs> movies that had all different kinds of, you know, a spectrum of uh, adult themes to, you know, children's cartoons and fantasy stories for decades for babies i agree so I, I'm, I'm glad we're finally catching up to that idea mm, me too me too i mean that's what happens when you stop listening to an executive and you start listening to the audience you know you you get things that actually people want to pay for if you base your model on transformers movies which apparently make lots of money um you're just going to have a bunch of people that are bitter about the things that they used to love. I yeah. partially think too that it's like a changing of the guard that some of the some of the people who were making decisions in movies are recently kind of, you know, getting out of the the business and that some of the new people coming up in it that are becoming, you know, the directors and executive producers and stuff like that. That I think that there are people in the industry that are big enough now and have enough influence that they can get stuff done that's a little bit different and a little bit grittier or more like stuff they liked when they were growing up. Yeah. Can we talk about the product placement in the yes. Hellboy movie real yes. quick too? Just to, just to, just to go off the I, Sarah, I love what you just said though, and, <laughs> and I'm really excited too for the future. Yeah. <laughs> I love that optimism, and I, I love and I love a lot of the things that are going on here. Yeah, but I don't know where I was just thinking about that CG red Hellboy tail wrapping around the Bud Light six pack. Oh my god! For some reason, and I was just laughing so hard That's inside. Sweet, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there was Bud Light in the movie? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but there wasn't any candy, right? There weren't any candy no, no, bars. No, no, no candy no bars. No baby roots. No. no, what a disappointment to those mm -hmm. those who haven't read it. Yeah. Baby Ruth. No, I, I, I don't know, guys. I do like I, some of the changes I can see being fun to those who haven't read the books. <laughs> yes. Those who don't know. I like the kitties. Okay. I like that he likes cats. An acceptable change. That yeah. wasn't really like a, a highlighted thing in the series. And I think that's really cool. Like, I like cats, yeah. The fight scene where like he's fighting that creature and the, the those poor kittens come into danger and you but and they establish early on that Hellboy loves kittens, so you know he's like, No and he grabs that <laughs> crate and he protects those kittens. It's cute. It's good. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. And then the train hits his horns, right? Uh yes, clean, the, clean, the clean. subway train. It's yes, quite quite humorous. It's pretty Looney Tunes, man. So what we're saying in, in conclusion, Hellboy is a flawed masterpiece. No, yeah. no, Aaron. Yeah, no, it's not. You're not supposed to agree with that. Oh right, this movie sucks. Thank you. 
Thank you. Angry fanboy over here. Listen, he was really, he was, there were tears streaming out of his eyes when this movie came up. It was. Can we just talk about the scene? His hair turned blonde and it was like, ah! Can we we talk about the scene where, like, he's making out with Liz and Agent Myers is just standing there while they're like. Yeah, while they're they're like. Like, what are we supposed to They're like freaking going at it, you know? They're just like, they're just like making out and like. Like. Are we supposed to feel sorry for Agent Myers? I don't I, know, guys. Because that's the end of the movie. <laughs> Does he come back in the second movie? No. They Good. make a joke that he gets like he gets like uh, transferred to Antarctica, yeah, or some some <laughs> like that. Yeah, he screwed up. <laughs> I <laughs> I don't have a problem with that actor, as far as I know, but the character the character itself, I have a problem. I, with. I liked him in that uh, that show about Nazis taking over America. That's oh, a yeah. show. That seems and to that's be real life. Oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. What was that show called? Don't again? get political. Uh, uh, Man in the High Castle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen The Handmaid's Tale? No. Oh my God, it's insanely sad. (laughs) But um, have you seen the movie or read the book or anything? This is all news to me. Okay. Well, it's basically a dystopian future, too, that has all these bizarre rules. Yeah. It's also the country we're living in right now, too. Oh, Oh my gosh, Um, Joel. Anyway, (laughs) let's wrap this up. I'm going to read the outro stuff. You guys get prepared with a lesson that you learned from this uh, this classic. This uh, recently released on Criterion, I believe, uh, with uh, extra features. So, uh, uh, the uh, late great Roger Ebert talking about how much he loves it. No, I'm just kidding. this is all fake. I, there was a moment there where I was following you, but then uh-huh. I thought about it and I was like. Why would they do that? <laughs> Just to spite you. Why would they do that? On John? the back, it says, this one's for you, Aaron. I mean, I would like Pacific Rim Criterion Edition. That'd be cool. Well, I guess somebody would like that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> outro stuff. Here goes. Hey, if you guys like us, please drop us a few dollars. I'm going to put that straight up first at our uh, Ear Trumpet Audio's Patreon page. If you uh, give a certain amount of money, we will be releasing special horror movie editions of our show only to subscribers on the Patreon. So far, we haven't released any because nobody likes us. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> just If you have like a dollar, you could drop it on that page. That's patreon.com. Uh, patreon.com slash ear trumpet. Okay, if you uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, please leave us a rating or a written review. We'd really appreciate that, and we will read your review on the air like we did with the last episode from Scott. Thank you again, Scott. Thank you so much. Join us on Facebook. Facebook page is facebook.com slash pdsmios, and if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at Outer Space Pod. Um, check out our podcast network. It is eartrumpetaudio.com. Bunch of different great shows on there. And uh, you know what? I'm tired. I'm that, That's that's it. Okay, give me your lesson. Who's got a lesson? Well, first of all, I just want to say thanks for listening to oh, me hope, rant, rant about Hellboy. I hope you enjoyed no, that because it's – I mean, how often is it going to happen, really? That's true. That's true. It's kind of a beautiful moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope uh, – I think my lesson is just go, uh, go buy a comic book. Go buy a, a Mike Magnolia comic book. 
check this out as it's meant to be seen. And then, uh, and then if you're like, Hey, I kind of want to see people dressing up in costumes and trying to act out this movie, go rent the DVD for two ninety nine on Amazon. <laughs> Just pretend like it's a movie in your brain instead. <laughs> Check your local library. I bet they'll have copies of Hellboy. Not, not the movie, the comic book. <laughs> if you want to see a movie called Hellboy <laughs> with a person resembling Hellboy in it, Check it out, but I recommend I recommend comics too. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, I'm such a jerk. I'm such a you're no. not a jerk at all. That's the that problem. Was... Uh, what do you got? My lesson. Yes. My lesson is that if you're made of sand, you don't really want to get a hole in yourself because then all the sand can just fall out. <laughs> And then you're just dead. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. It doesn't make any sense. He just wears a lab coat, guys. <laughs> and he's got. He's got. He's not. He's got mechanical bits. He's like the Tin Man. He doesn't have these like Electra swords or whatever you want to call I, he, them. He had those really cool eyeballs, though. So. <laughs> oh my gosh, I almost forgot about his CG, his CG eyeball. I, I don't know if I saw those. He had no eyelids. It was just like <laughs> it's just, just straight like bug eyed. <laughs> that was probably my favorite effect of the movie was his 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 weirdo eyeballs. Yeah. My lesson is that uh, putting cats into your movie is always a good idea. Endangering those cats at any point is a bad idea. I will not like that scene. I don't care if if Hellboy ends up saving those kittens. Don't endanger any cats on my freaking watch. Are you listening? Are you listening, Hollywood? I don't think any kittens were endangered. No, no kittens were endangered. In the movie? I think it was was just... I think it was just a fake situation it's made all, to look dangerous. It, it was a CG. It was computer generated images. I'm not saying that he oh, had no. actual cats that were going to go in front of a train or something were, like that. There drawn. was a scene in the movie where there were cats and there was a monster but and the cat also fell out the thing. And then there was a little kitten and it all that stuff. And I don't care if it's real or fake. I don't want to see it. It hurts me to see a kitten get hurt. I know how it hurts me. It hurts me to see a kitten walking on a fence that I think is too high. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that, uh, it's my lesson. Class of nineteen eighty nine, part two, when they they, the stupid dead cat prop. I was pretty pissed at that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was was unforgivable. That was I was that pissed me. The movie this week is. (laughs) 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 We'll see you next week, folks. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. EarTrumpetAudio.com Ideas and entertainment. Loud and clear.